It's Fire Away Friday. Fire Away Friday. On Exploring the Word, this is your chance to ask us your Bible question at 888-589-8840. That's 888-589-8840. You can also email your question at word at AFR.net or visit Facebook.com slash Exploring the Word. Exploring the Word. It's Fire Away Friday on American Family Radio. When I was in elementary school, I remember our teacher asking, what's your favorite day of the week? Just about everybody in that room said Friday, and that was the day we'd (laughs) get out of school. Well, Friday's a lot of people's favorite day on Exploring the Word because it is Fire Away Friday where you can call in and ask your questions in the whole program, not just the last part. That number, if you want to call and ask that question, is 888-589-8840. 888-589-8040. We'd love to hear from you. Alex, it's good to be with you again on this Fire Away Friday, brother. Well, amen. It's good to be with you. And I see the calls are already coming in. And folks, we are honored that you would be listening. Very honored and eager to get into the Word of God with your Bible questions. Again, the number 888-589-8840. And uh, we'll do our best to get as many questions as we can. Bert, what is our record for getting questions in on Fireway? Do, do you know? Yeah, you know I keep up with that. I compete with myself. We got 14 one day. That's the most. I, we average 10, and then sometimes we do 12. But one particular day, we did 14. And uh, I, I, think, I thought uh, that's what it was. Yeah, we did it. Hey, Alex, before we start answering these questions, I want our listeners to be in prayer for you and Angie. And uh let me share with all you who are listening today to be praying for Alex and Angie. Uh, most of you have kept up with this for quite a some time. Angie's mom has been dealing with bad health for several, several years. And Wednesday night, this great lady went to be of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I know you and Angie were there holding her hand, Alex, and I know it was quite mm-hmm. emotional. But I'm asking our audience to be praying for you and especially be praying for Angie. And so I I wanted to do that and uh, let Angie know that we're praying for her, brother. Well, you are so kind, and we give God the glory. Yes, Angie's mom, Ann Lowe, L-O-W-E, went to be with the Lord Wednesday night late, and uh, Angie and I were there at her bedside, and we didn't know that would be the night that she would pass, but um, she had health complications. And Bert, let me just say this. Um, Bible says, precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. And we've been just inundated with you know, Tim Wildman and people all around the country have sent their love. But see, this is a victory. And folks, this is why the Christian faith and a relationship with Jesus is so precious, because um, Anne doesn't have dementia and Alzheimer's anymore, and she doesn't have heart failure. And she's in a place where it's joy forever. Uh, She was a devout believer And, you know, the Bible says we sorrow, but not as those who have no hope. And we just want to say in her home going, thanks to all the the love that everybody has showered on us, but to God be the glory for that great reunion day in heaven, thanks to Jesus. Amen. I remember uh, years ago in the church where I pastored here in Tupelo, West Jackson Street Baptist Church, we did dramas and musicals. That was one of the things that we just had a lot of talent in the church, and 
we could do that. In one of the episodes, it says heaven is a real place for real people. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's where she is. Is Alex, I want to lead uh, our audience. These listeners are going to be praying with me. And uh, I, I want to pray right now and ask God just to give you guys what you need for such a time as this. You're so kind. Father, I thank you that we can call upon you. And I, I just want to thank you for Ms. Lowe. I had the privilege of meeting her uh, over in Fayetteville, North Carolina, and sharing some time with her and just got to be with uh, that. She had a great spirit, and I thank you for that. And I thank you for Angie and uh, the blessing mm-hmm. that she was to her mom and her mom to her. And, Father, I thank you for the privilege of of Alex and Angie being able to be with her when she passed into your arms, Father. While they mm. were saying goodbye down here, those up in heaven were saying hello to her. And, Father, <laughs> we thank you for that promise that's real. And we pray you'd be with Angie in these days as difficulties and, and decisions, all the things that have to be done. And I pray you would bless them. And, Father, may you get glory and honor in Jesus' name. Amen. And thank you. Thank you, brother. Well, I appreciate it, and I know our folks are going to be praying. But we have got people online. Alex, are you ready to make that transition and go to the phone lines? Let's do that. We're going to go to Tennessee and talk to, to uh, Forrest in Tennessee. You're the first caller on today's edition of Fireway Friday. Welcome. Hey there. I got a, hey, uh, good evening. Can you hear me? Yes, go yes. ahead, Forrest. Can you hear me? Okay. Yes. Okay, I got. I was talking with a friend today at work, and we kind of got into hypotheticals. And, uh, you know, we as Christians, we're going to be in the afterlife and realize that God's judgment was perfect and everything. But uh, will people down below have the same sense? Like, theoretically, let's say I'm a serial killer, and one of y'all was a, a good law-abiding citizen, and I kill y'all, and a minute later the cops shoot me, Are we? Uh, when we go down, are you going to have some kind of sense of justice that me, the serial killer, is getting punished worse than you, even though you're not in heaven? Okay, Forrest. How, what we sense is going to be tough, what we sense about one another. Now, we know from Luke 16, wouldn't you refer there quickly, I would, Alex, wouldn't you, about the rich man and Lazarus? Yeah. There was a, a knowledge yeah. of at least the rich man in hell knowing concerning Lazarus. We're not sure about yeah. Lazarus knowing concerning him, but we know the uh, rich man was uh, observing Lazarus, don't we? Yeah. You know, across a great gulf or a great chasm, the rich man could see uh, Lazarus there with Abraham in, in paradise. And the rich man said, you know, please, Father Abraham, just one drop of water on the tip of your finger. And Abraham said, no, you know, you had your opportunity in this life. And then that rich man, you know, Bert, uh, I don't, I, I wouldn't imagine he cared much about missions before death, but suddenly from hell, he's very concerned. He says, well, go tell my brothers, you know, uh, and Abraham says, well, they've got the law and the prophets, Moses and the prophets. But here's the thing. I, I really do think part of the suffering of hell is is that people know it was of their own doing, you know. I mean, everybody, 
to one degree or another, everybody has a witness, the witness of conscience, the witness of creation. Uh, here in America, we have the explicit witness of the gospel and the Bible. And so uh, Bert, one of the worst punishments of hell, I think, is going to be that people know they did this to themselves by rejecting the light God extended. I agree with you. And I think there's a the first problem that man faced, not the first sin, but the first problem was aloneness. In hell, you, Forrest, you were talking about, it sounded like looking over and seeing the guy that shot you, he's here too. Uh, there seems to be uh, aloneness there, even though it's, uh, you know, many are there, Alex. Um, there's yeah. aloneness there. Uh, the two main uh, fears that children have that they don't learn, they have it when they're born, is falling and, and noise, loud noise. And notice what yeah. it describes in hell. It's, it says they call it the bottomless pit, the feeling of always falling, and then where the, the gnashing of teeth, the horrible sounds, the wailing, wailing and gnashing of teeth. But I, I think the other is aloneness. And so Forrest mm-hmm. Forrest is weighing somebody in hell saying, well, I'm glad you're here too. I, Alex, I, I'm not, I don't think that's yeah. necessarily a part of hell. It could be, but it doesn't seem to be a part of it. Well, and let me say one last thing. We're going to resume the calls, but I've had people kind of very cavalier. They'll say, well, you know, I'd rather be in hell. I'd rather party with the sinners than play a harp with the saints. You know, it, a hell is where all the cool people are going to be, quote unquote. No, forget that. No, it's not going to be a party. It's not going to be a rock concert. Uh, it's going to be terrible aloneness. And so you don't want to go there, and you don't have to go there because Christ loves you. And if you call out to Jesus to save you, whoever you are, Jesus will save you. And hell is nothing you'll have to ever worry about then. And there's a number you can call and talk to. There are partners. Triple eight need him. Triple eight need him. There are partners. And right now, if you're dealing with doubt or you know for certain you're not saved, call them. Triple eight need him. They'll help you. Alex, All right. where to next? We're going to go to Paul in North Carolina. Paul, thanks for holding. Welcome to Exploring the Word. Hey, Bert, Alex. Um, my question today would be how does demons get thoughts in your head without us being able to think of uh, a bad thought? Where do, where do they come from and how do they make you think Okay, that you wouldn't well, normally think? Go ahead, Alex. Um, and by the way, thank you so much, because I think some of Satan's tools would be like discouragement, temptation, evil thoughts. For one thing, I want to be very clear. I, I believe that Satan cannot read your mind. Now, I think Satan and his demons are probably very unrelenting observers, and they might try to see patterns, and they know what we're thinking or what uh, would tempt us. Uh, They can't read our mind, but they might observe us. And I, I don't know, like, let's say that you have a, I don't know, an anger problem. And then you you lose your temper and you do very destructive things. Well, maybe the devil tries to uh, work through people all around you and you do lose your temper. Or whether it's 
you know, substance abuse or sexual immorality. Satan can't read your mind, but he might know your behavioral habits and and work on you in that way and trigger, you know, patterns. Default, you know, you, you get depressed, you do uh, toxic things, or you do things that, you know, shipwreck relationships. So let's remember he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And I think the the demons, just like we have... And Bert, if I if I say something wrong, you correct me here, but we have guardian angels that look after us. Amen. I think there might be demons that are assigned to hound us. I agree with you, Alex. And I, I do believe that demons, uh, th- they occupy space. They occupy our area. And uh, demonic influence... Uh, that's the influence Satan can influence by, I think, three areas, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. The lust of the flesh is that that you desire. The lust of the eyes is what you see. The pride of life is that thought process of thinking I deserve better than I have. I, I, I think he puts that, and then the thoughts come to us. You know, the thoughts come to us through the circumstances that we're facing. Uh, we have a limited foe. His name is Satan and his demons. They are limited. And now they are powerful. They are, but they are limited. And we need to know that. We don't need to be like Flip Wilson. A long time ago, the Flip Wilson show, the devil made me do it. Sometimes it's us with that thought. It's us with hmm. that action. So we need to take that account. Greater is he that is in us than in he is in the world win the victory. We're more than conquerors through Christ Jesus. We'll be back. Alex going to get you online. I can't wait to get these other questions here on Fire Away Friday. This is Pause to Pray, a chance to stop down each day from the daily noise of life and pray for our country's leaders. Today, we pray for Greg Capella, Acting Director of the National Technical Information Service. Mr. Capella is responsible for innovation in data usage as it relates to our nation's economy, population, and environment. Proverbs 25.2 reminds us that inventing and discovering is a gift from the Lord. It is the glory of God to conceal a matter. To search out a matter is the glory of kings. Right now, with this in mind, let's pray together. Almighty God, We ask for guidance for Greg Capella in his task of innovation. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Pause to Pray is a service of this station and the Presidential Prayer Team, a nonprofit, nonpartisan ministry dedicated to encouraging prayer for our nation's leaders. To learn more, go to pausetopray.org. When we commit our lives to Jesus, God actually adopts us into His family. Dr. Tony Evans says people have different ideas about what that family relationship means when times get tough. He'll share a powerful example from Acts chapter 7 as we spend two minutes with Tony. When Stephen was being stoned to death, God didn't change his situation, but he was family. And because he was family, the Bible says he saw heaven open and Jesus Christ standing on the right hand of the Father giving him a standing ovation because he was family. When you're family, God shows up in ways that blows your mind. Sometimes it's a miracle that you didn't expect coming. Sometimes it's a deliverance that you didn't think was possible. Sometimes a last minute bill being paid when you thought you were going to be evicted. 
but sometimes he doesn't do anything with the situation. He just stands in the middle of it and lets you know he's right there because you're family. He says, if you're willing to do my will, I'm going to treat you like family. I'm going to be close to you in a crisis. So may this church and every individual in this church pray, Lord, your program is your kingdom. I don't want you to skip me, bypass me, because I'm saying thy will be done. And I'm willing to adjust my way to your way, my will to your will, my desire to your desire to please you. And if I please you, you're going to show up in whatever situation you choose to for your glory and my good. Learn why following Jesus is more about relationship than rules. Check out Tony's popular book, Kingdom Disciples, available online at TonyEvans.org. Then join us next time for Two Minutes with Tony. Welcome back to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. You're my defender. Psalm 5522. Psalm 5522 says, Cast thy burden upon the Lord, and he will sustain thee. He will never allow the righteous to be moved. Well, with those great words of encouragement about the faithfulness of our God, we welcome you back to Fireway Friday, Exploring the Word. Bert Harper, Alex McFarland, answering Bible questions. And Bert, how about we go down to Texas? Let's see here. Texas, and we're going to speak with Omar. Omar, thanks for holding. Welcome to Exploring the Word. Thank you. Good afternoon, Brother Bird and Brother Alex, and uh, my condolences to you and your wife, Brother Alex. Well, thank you. God bless you, my friend. Thank you. Thank you. God bless you both. So my question is, I've approached, uh, in our Christian circles, we hear about how good and important it is for spouses to uh, pray together. And I'm, I've approached my wife a few times about praying together, you know, for a family. And even though I've done it, uh, she wasn't quite comfortable uh, praying out loud. So I usually just do it myself, uh, holding her hand. But um, um, it, uh, she doesn't feel comfortable, and she's told me, well, it's not, it's not biblical. You know, there's nothing in the Bible that talks about that issue. And... I'm going to paraphrase, but like Jesus talked about, you know, do not pray in the uh, in the square, you know, like the Pharisees do, but go to your rooms, close the door, pray to your father, you know. So I was like, well, I don't have that much to argue there. <laughs> is, is there anything on the Bible that talks about, uh, you know, the spouses praying together? Okay, Omar, what a great, great idea. I just want to tell you, uh, holding her hand, and you praying, it's still praying together. Uh, she may not utter the words. She may not, but you're praying together. Uh, Alex, when that situation has come up to me and Jan, and many times it's the husband that doesn't pray a lot. And yeah, when sometimes. I, when I do this and I challenge the men, I said, men, if you can't pray with your wives, can you say, God, I love you? And, uh, Amen. and, and I'm telling you those men, I have them to come forward and we practice God. I love you. Amen. 
I said, you're praying, guys. You know, uh, you express your thoughts to God. So, Omar, you praying and holding your hands wide, you're praying. Give her, give her grace, give her space. Uh, don't you be the instrument of, of the Holy Spirit. Let the Holy Spirit take care of that. Alex, what would you say? Well, you know, Bert, this is so funny. And folks, by the way, Bert and I, we, we don't rehearse ahead of time, and yet oftentimes it's just like uncanny how much we think alike. Yeah. But I've had I've had couples that, you know, Angie and I have counseled couples, and we talk about praying together. And, you know, I've had either the wife or the husband, and they'll say, well, I, I just feel so self-conscious. I've never prayed out loud, and I'm, I'm you know, uneasy about that. And I said, well, you know, I, I really do think praying— is kind of a, a a habit we can cultivate. And I say, could you just say, thank you, God, for loving me? Just say that, God, thank you for loving me. Well, that's a prayer. And I said, if you do it, you'll begin to feel comfortable. Bert, as a young believer, I was down at Macedonia Baptist one Wednesday night. I'll never forget. And much to my surprise, the pastor called on me to pray the prayer of dismissal. We had had Wednesday night Bible study probably 40 people there, and the pastor said, Alex McFarland, dismiss us in a word of prayer. For a second, I was mortified. But I just I just started talking. I said, uh, Lord, thank you for what we've heard, and bless us. Bring us back here safely on Sunday, and help us to do your will in Jesus' name. Something like that. And, well, I prayed in public, and survived <laughs> and not only that it was a blessing it is and so Amen. cultivate it and and folks i'm gonna say it this way and bird if i'm saying it wrong but look the more you pray you'll get better at it so yep. start start practicing amen it's let me just make this i believe in praying aloud but i am telling you right now god is impressed with your heart not your words let me make that plain if your words are expressing your heart Hallelujah. But you're not praying to try to impress anyone. And, uh, you you know, two of the men in the church where I pastor, and I want to do this quickly, uh, when they would pray publicly and lead our congregation publicly, they always touched my life. Uh, their, their name was Carl, and the other one was Clovis. And those two guys, it was like just them and God talking during that time. And, man, I'd join in. But I want to just tell you, uh, pray, seek God. And uh, Omar, I want to pray. Father, help Omar to be the man that you want him to be. And I pray for his wife that she would see his heart and desire to, for her to voice those prayers. And I, I feel like she might be praying silently. And I pray it would start and that you would join them together but help Omar to to not be the one that is pressuring it. Let let God may He just listen to you and trust you to bring it about. We trust this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Omar. James in Mississippi. And by the way, folks, the number is triple eight five eight nine eighty eight forty. And James, welcome to Exploring the Word. Uh, first time caller and appreciate your growth. Question is. Is being proud of doing a great job or being proud of your, your son or your daughter sinful? James, thank you for calling. I'm glad you're the first-time caller. We love first-time callers. 
We love all callers, but first-time callers really get our attention. Alex, I'm going to say this, and I'm going to put your words toward you. If I say this wrong, you correct me. Mm -hmm. But there is a good side of pride, and there's the evil side. Uh, There's a difference in being proud of someone and thankful. And if you're not careful, what you will do, you will disassociate thankfulness and, and think it's pride. And and I think there's a fine line there, but you got to do it. So being proud of your children, but uh, listen, don't that pride go to you and say, look what I've done. Don't do that. Just be thankful that they and God have done as much. You may have done some. You may not have done as much as you should have. But in a pride of a job well done, whatever the hand find to do, Alex, it says do it with all your might, which means do it the best you can, doesn't it? It does. Uh, l- let me say, Bert, Bert is absolutely right. I mean, there is there is a narcissistic, carnal pride. Oh, I'm better than everybody else. You know, that's not right. But then there is, Bert, could we say satisfaction in what we do? Now, Ecclesiastes 2.24 I want to give you a couple of renderings of this, but Ecclesiastes 2.24, King James says, There's nothing better for man than that he should eat and drink and that he should make his soul enjoy his labor. This I also saw and saw that it was from the hand of God. Now, one translation renders it, um, It is good to eat and drink and enjoy the work of his hands, or some say satisfaction. Um, I think this, uh, again, Ecclesiastes 2.24 to find satisfaction in the work of your hands. Um, we've, we've all done things, you know, that we, we're proud of, whether it's to, you know, accomplish something at our job or, you know, paint the bedroom uh, and remodel the house or whatever. And, I, Bert, I think there's, it's good to try to be excellent for Christ Amen. and to acknowledge, Lord, thank you for giving me the ability to get this thing done. Um, I love, you know, when, um, you know, well, musicians that are godly musicians, like the Gettys, who we love, they do things with world-class excellence, and they do it for the glory of God. Amen. Uh, if, you and, do it, if you do it for the glory of God, it, it, it ought to be excellent. Now, excellence for some people and excellence for others don't have the same measuring stick all the time. You know what I mean, Alex? Yeah. There's definitely better musicians than others. There's better speakers than others. I mean, if everybody had the voice of an Adrian Rogers, man, that would be awesome. But this is, <laughs> I just want to tell you, you know, so the excellence is doing the best you can with what you have, isn't it? Well, it is, and I want to say this, and we're going to move on, but a lot of people don't realize Ernest Hemingway, the very famous writer, he wrote The Old Man in the Sea, great American writer. He wrote uh, a time or two for Sports Illustrated, and he told this story when he was in school. Um, he wrote a story, and he got a C, and he had a friend who wrote a story and got an A, and he went to the teacher. He said, I don't understand it. His thing was not near as good as my thing. And, uh, you know, even as a young man, Hemingway knew that he had ability as a writer. He said, why did you give me a C, but you gave him an A, when his thing is not nearly as good as what I turned in? The teacher said, well, you know, for that student, what he did, given his ability, that was 
an A for him, but you could have done better, and and you got to see because you're capable. If you only would do it, you're capable of an A. And the teacher told that young Hemingway, "You you owe it to yourself and to God. You've got the capability to turn in A work, and you really are accountable to do that." And Hemingway, I really I don't know what his spiritual condition was. Uh, frankly, I don't think it was very good, but he viewed his writing in terms of stewardship. And let me say this, um, not everybody can be Billy Graham. Only Billy Graham could be Billy Graham, but I'm supposed to try to be the best Alex I can be. Amen. Hey, well and, said, and Alex. Isn't that, uh, that is. the way we ought to view our, our life? Hey, James, keep doing that good job and be prayerful and thankful for it. Keep looking at your children and being thankful and Wait till grandchildren come along. You really have pride then that way. Okay. Oh, Thank, wow. Yeah. Thank you, James. Who's next? Michael Alex? in Alabama. Michael, you're on Exploring the Word. Thanks tremendously. About a month ago, um, I uh, asked, uh, let me, I asked your opinion on, uh, no, I didn't ask. That's what I'm about to do. I brought up these cult-like, but they're not all of them cults, individual churches and their teachings on Christians with mental illnesses, or for some of these churches, uh, Christian professional counselors in general. Now I feel slightly guilty about bringing that up, because either one of you quoted from Second Peter uh, chapter 2. Some of these pastors do show evidence of having once in the past, or like me, more than once, having genuinely repented and genuinely surrendered their lives to Christ Jesus, and I, for one, don't want to accuse even one of those preachers, unless I know them personally, of being, quote, false prophets, unquote, and I don't quote King James very often, whose, quote, whose condemnation slumbereth not, and so forth. So I really want to give them the benefit of the doubt. Here's what I did not get a chance to ask you. So many, I still hate their... Uh, 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 faith plus sinless, uh, sinless perfection here on earth uh, doctrine of salvation. Uh, and so many of them uh, cite, uh, oh, when they cite mental illnesses, they not only misquote one of them, especially that m- church in Moody's, Oklahoma, um, uh, what is it called? Proverbs uh, 28, verse 1, when it's not a royal command, it was an observation of king solomon about the uh wicked being cowardly and always afraid but righteous being bold as lions you know they cite so often both king herod his son and in the old testament king saul uh Hmm. not just hey let me jump in here for a second hey forgive me for just a second uh michael god bless you for for one thing bert um i wanted to say this about spiritual leaders you know second timothy 2 talks about uh studying to show yourself approved and it says that um, those who handle the word will be judged, you know, stringently. And so, I mean, if we preach it, we're called to live it and um, not just preach the word, but authentically live our lives by the word, too, aren't we, Bert? We are. I was listening to uh, Alistair Begg. This, he comes on Central Time. He comes on at 1130 to 12. And he was speaking today about pastors over in the book of Jude that they are teachers, and they're to teach the standard of, of the theology concerning the Word of God, especially concerning salvation. 
But then it goes on and it, it talks about the lifestyle and do it with excellence or do it with ex, uh, expediency. You do it right. And so abusive theology, uh, it, you know, would be wrong. Now, again, abusive theology of saying that Jesus is the only way is not abusive. But for mental illness, Alex, um, we, we realize there's those that are, uh, you know, have gone through it. They were born. There are some things that's happened in their life. And, and I just want to tell you, here's what God's going to do. God's going to do that which is right, isn't he? I don't. He knows yes. the heart. He knows the mind. He knows the capability as well of each person, doesn't he? He really does. He really does. And, and let me say this. Um, it's not a sin to feel temptation. Now, we're not supposed to act on the temptation. And likewise, a physical disability is not a sin. You know, and, and I would say regarding disabilities and the challenges that we face in a fallen world, there are mental uh, illnesses too. And uh, depression is, is a real thing and, uh, you know, mental challenges. And so, Bert, aren't you encouraged when it says, He knoweth our frame, he remembers that we are but dust. Amen. I, I am so glad. I want to just tell you, there's no doubt David you know, struggled with some depressive depression. There's no doubt. Paul, at certain times, he would God would send that angel to him, and he'd tell Paul, "Don't, don't fear. I'm with you, and I'm also going to be with you, Rome." What God does for us, He gives us, He gives us His presence where we are, and He gives us hope for the future. I just want to tell you, if you're struggling with those things, get the help you need. But I am telling you, thank. Develop as much as you can, Alex, a thankful spirit. I, I want to just, that goes, helps. I'm not saying it cures, mm -hmm. but it does help. Hey, we're going to be back with more of your questions right after the break here on Exploring the Word. In the mid-1980s, Jerry Cox was a public school history teacher in Arkansas with no political aspirations. That changed when he realized those who held a Christian worldview had no representation in the Arkansas State Capitol. Jerry founded Arkansas Family Council, and for more than three decades, AFC has been the voice of biblical values in Arkansas. More Than Words is an inspirational story, one you should read and encourage others to read as well. Visit afa.net slash the stand. Here's Pastor Jeff Shreve with From His Heart Ministries. We need to just say, Lord, I don't understand why these dark lines have come into my life, but I trust you because I know beyond any shadow of a doubt that you are good. See, I can come to a God like that, who loves me, who's gentle, who's humble in heart. Learn the depth of God's goodness. Join Pastor Jeff Shreve on From His Heart each weeknight at 6 Central here on American Family Radio. Aria is suffering for the gospel. Hey, it's Michael Woolworth with Bible League International. Aria lives in the Middle East in a radical Muslim family. She accepted the invitation of a Christian friend to attend a weekly Bible study and eventually received Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. She took her Bible study booklet home, hiding it in her room before her mother found it and gave it to her father. He beat young Aria nearly to death and called the officials to report her as an infidel. They took her to a remote cell where they assaulted her and the Christian friend and eventually let them go. Now, these two women, they didn't grow bitter. They grew bold, and together they've seen hundreds come to Christ in the Middle East where it's nearly impossible to get a Bible. 
And that's why Bible League is inviting you to send God's Word to bible believers around the globe at only $5 a Bible. $100 sends 20 every gift matched. Call 800-YES-WORD, 800-YES-WORD, or click sendbiblesnow.org. That's sendbiblesnow.org. And God bless you for caring. Just as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men, because all sinned. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. A popular effort in social revisionism is happening, where racism, which is better described in biblical terms as skin color-based partiality, is a crime of which only people of lighter skin color can be guilty. Let's be clear. Factions, divisions, and dissensions, including those based on skin color, are the fruit of the sinful flesh. The root cause of partiality is sin. Every person, regardless of the quantity of melanin in their skin, is capable of partiality. The only remedy for sin is the blood of Jesus Christ. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. You know, you can listen to archived shows of Exploring the Word at AFR.net, AmericanFamilyRadio.net. This and other shows are archived, and you are listening to Bert Harper and Alex McFarland. We are the authors of the recently released book, 100 Bible Questions and Answers. just came out a couple of, well, about three months ago, I think it was. But uh, you can find that at the AFAStore.net, and we are appreciative of those that read our book, and we're doubly appreciative of those that listen to the program, and we're going to do our best to get to these calls. It's uh, 888-589-8840, but right now in Mississippi is John. John, thank you for holding, and welcome to the program. Oh, yes, sir. Uh, I'm sorry to hear about Miss Angie's mom's passing. Brother, oh. I feel for y'all. And God I, bless you. I, I pray that the Lord's love and hand be, be upon y'all. Oh, bless you, uh, my, my friend. My my question is, uh, me and a friend were talking, and uh, the third of the angels that followed the devil out of heaven, are, are they different than the demons? Uh, he said that the demons were basically the spirits of the Nephilim that drowned in the flood. Okay, John. Well, yeah, go ahead, Alex. Uh, let me say this, uh, and by the way, thank you for this very good question. Bert, the one-third of the angels that joined Lucifer in a failed coup attempt of heaven, I think they are the demons. Lucifer is now Satan, and the angels that were in the presence of God rebelled, joined Lucifer in trying to overtake heaven and kill off God. They were all cast out of heaven. Those fallen angels are the demons. I think you're right. Again, uh, we haven't got everything we would like to know 
about the origin, but I think that is the best that I've heard. I think it is the explanation. And, uh, and, and demon activity is real. It is real. But I want to just tell you, uh, let me make, make much of Jesus. Uh, you know, spiritual warfare is real. But Alex, uh, spending too much time in the area of, of fear and uh, knowing and thinking, trying to figure out everything about demons, listen, uh, God will reveal it to you. And the best way to do is walk in Jesus Christ, walk in the Spirit. And I just want to tell you, the demons will come against you. But when you depend upon his Spirit and obey him, I want to just tell you, uh, the demon's influence is not as great. But if we're not spending time with God's word, serving him, seeking him, uh, those demons can have some great, horrible influence in our lives as believers, can't they? They can. Bert, did you ever learn the chorus? And, you know, we might have sung it as children, but it's very, very true. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, we have the victory at the name of Jesus, at the name of Jesus, Satan will have to flee. Amen. That's really true, isn't it? It is. Make much of you in your preaching, in your teaching, in your talking, in your life. <laughs> the best advice I can give you, make much of Jesus and follow him. Amen. Thank you, John. Don in Tennessee. Don, welcome to Exploring the Word. Thank you, sir, and thank you for uh, having me this afternoon. I am, too, one of those, what you call a while ago, people you love, first-time callers. Amen, well, Don. Bless Woo. you. Yeah. Uh, and my question for you is this. Uh, which sin or how many sins does it take for a true believer to lose his salvation? <laughs> a true believer. Now, I, I, I want to play on that for a moment. The reason I say that, the Bible says, and we we studied this earlier in the week, Alex, about people that believe the things about God. Even they believe that Jesus lived. He was perfect. They believe the resurrection uh, was really true. They believe that, but they've never come to his lordship, putting him Lord on everyone. And and those believers, they're not, they're, they're uh, you know, they agree mentally, but they've never been changed. Sins. Alex, uh, if we keep on deliberately sinning and we do not uh, feel any conviction, any pain, the Bible, I think, teaches you've never been born again in the first place because it, it, the Bible talks about that, doesn't it? Well, it does. And, and Don, uh, thanks for this good question. Um, how many sins... Uh, would it take for a truly born-again Christian, you ask, to lose their salvation? Now, what I'm about to say, I, I'm only speaking for myself, this is an area where, you know, equally good, godly, well-intentioned Christians have differed. Bert, as I understand the Word of God, I don't believe a truly born-again Christian can lose their salvation. I, I believe in what is often called the eternal security of the believer— now, I think there's the issue of fellowship, and sin and backsliddenness can hinder our intimacy with Jesus, our fellowship. But I think if somebody's truly born again, everlasting life is exactly that, everlasting. Now, there are wonderfully godly people that disagree, but let me just say this, food for thought. First John 1, 7 
says, If we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. Now, this is talking to believers. Now, when you, you're lost, you're unsaved, but you call on Jesus, you're born again, John 3, you're regenerated. And Romans has Romans 4, Romans 5, Romans 8 has a lot to say about this. Notice it says in 1 John 1, 7, the blood of Jesus Christ, it doesn't say saves us from sin or regenerates us from sin, but talking to the church, it says purifies us from sin. In other words, Bert, and, and I, I don't take sin lightly, in no way are we minimizing sin, but it is possible for a truly born-again person to stumble in sin, and it's not they've lost their salvation, they might have interrupted their fellowship, but they're still born again, though they do need to confess, and that, that fellowship is restored, but if you've been saved, I believe that's permanent. I do. Let me add one thing we want to get to the other callers. Salvation is not a license to sin. It Amen. is not. Uh, listen, it is a call. Come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord. Corinthians talks about we're a new creation in Christ. We're new. We have a new spirit. We're to put off the old and put on the new. We will sin. But to to go through life not changed and uh, where God's not real, he saves us from sin. What does that mean? He saves us from the effect of sin. He has saved he, uh, the effect of, I would say, eternal sin. He doesn't take away the consequences of sin when we have sinned here upon earth. David was forgiven of his sin with Bathsheba. But guess what, Alex? The consequences was paid here upon earth. We mm. need to know that difference. We need to walk with Christ. Once you know him, walk in him, and you'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Uh, Mark in Texas, welcome to the American Family Radio Network. Good afternoon, uh, Mr. Bird and uh, Dr. Alex. God bless you. Thanks for listening. Yes, sir. My comment, and I just turned in, uh, turned on the radio because I just finished work. I don't know if this is uh, according to the subject of the day, but my uh, comment is about um, the evangelization by Americans in other countries and where I come from, the Philippines. Americans are among the biggest group that evangelizes the, uh, the Philippines. Uh, and so I just want to let you know how big of an influence you guys are. And I'm talking about the American group that goes there in influencing uh, the country. And I assume this is also done by you in uh, other nations. Unfortunately, such influence uh, also uh, impact other parts of our lives in the Philippines. For example, uh, while the American uh, uh, Baptists and other religions are now introduced in the Philippines, and we have churches now, uh, in the Philippines from these uh, religious groups. We also are influenced in other aspects. For example, divorce is now being introduced in the Philippine government. Uh, as of August 17, 2021, uh, there has been a bill approved uh, 
proposing legalization of divorce in the Philippines. So I just wanted to let you guys know that mm. your impact in the world is so great that I think this has to be taken seriously by uh, Americans, that you have such a great positive influence, but at the same time, American practices also wow. impact our nation. Mark, wow. thank you. Powerful. It is. And let, let's pray for that. Father, I pray that those of us that are believers and followers of Christ, those missionaries and those that go on mission trips short term, that our influence would be for godliness, not for evil. And Father, I pray for the Philippines. And yes, it's been a, I've heard what God is doing there. And I pray that the good work of God would continue. And Father, I thank you so much that Mark would call in and and have us to know that. And I pray that the influence of the church would be that of godliness to be like Christ. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank wow, you, brother. That's a powerful call. Yes, it is. God bless you. God bless you. Well, we're going to stay in Texas. And uh, Roy in Texas, thank you for holding. Welcome to AFR. It's you. Hello? Don't yes, you're on. Yeah. Yes, sir. I, I have one question. If you don't mind, I'll just uh, give the question and then keep driving and listen to it on the radio. Okay. And my question is, uh, I would like to know when your name is written in the Book of Life. Is it at birth or at the acceptance of Jesus as your Savior? Amen. Roy, thank you for that. I, I want to introduce a song that you know. I'm not going to sing it. Everybody's looking at me when I say a song. They don't want me to sing it on there. But there's a new name written down in glory, and it's mine. Oh, yes, it's mine. I love that song. Now, Alex, that name, it talks about names being blotted out and names yeah. that are written. There is some issue there. Which one is it? Uh, I, I think once you're born again, your name is written in his book. Is there a book that's written in when you're born and then blotted out if you're not saved? Is there two books or just one book? Wow, great question. And yeah, we've had this question before. It's been some time. Yeah, Revelation twenty two nineteen, the the last chapter of the Bible, Revelation well, the last book of the Bible, and in the last chapter, says, uh, if any man takes away from the words of the prophecy of this book, God will take away his part out of the book of life. Now, some have wondered, um, you know, is your name in the book of life, but if you, like, reach the age of accountability and you're sinning, your name is blotted out. But we know Ephesians 4.30 says that we are sealed to the day of redemption. Um, John 6 37 through 39, it says life is in Jesus, and all that the Father gives, he will lose none of them. And so, you know, um, I, I believe that our name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life when we're born again, you know. And, and I think that it talks about we're born again, forgiven, our name is in the Lamb's Book of Life, and we are partakers of the Tree of Life, says Revelation 22. So if somebody dies in an unsaved condition, uh, it, it, they weren't in the book of life anyway. So what Revelation twenty two nineteen is saying that if you 
were to take away from the Bible or distort or diminish the Bible, you, you really weren't saved anyway. I think what it's saying, it's a warning. It's a warning to make sure that you are in the book, not necessarily that one day your name is in, one day your name is out. And and this is really, I'll say this, and I'm going to throw back to you, but it's a, in a way it's related to Luke 2 verse 1. It says, The decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be enrolled See, in the ancient world, kings and leaders had an enrollment. It was called a rationarium, and it told who belonged to whom. And in a time of war, with one look, the king could see who his subjects were. And you become a subject of the king of kings, and your name is in his rationarium, his book, by trusting Jesus Christ. Amen. Roy, thank you. Linda, it's going to be hard to get to you, but I can read your question, and let's try to do that. Linda, thank you for calling. The question is, Was where was Lazarus' spirit during those days that he was uh, dead, Alex? That is the question. Well, I, I think he was in the presence of God, and he had an assignment yet to fulfill, and he got uh, Lazarus come forth, and they said, hey, you're not completely done. Go back down there because Jesus is going to resuscitate your body. But I think he was in the presence of God for a few days. Yeah, and and I I think that as well. It, it was kept, and we know that. It was a place where he could uh, go back. I, we've heard about these stories about people seeing heaven. Uh, I think Lazarus really had a real story about that. Uh, and so what a story he would tell. So, Alex, been good. We're going to be praying for you, sure, and let Angie know that so many people here and across America is praying for y'all. Well, thank you. What a, what a victory we have in Jesus. And, folks, we want you to know the Lord and those that you love to be in heaven as well. So that's why we every, every day we say, look, Jesus is as close by as a prayer. Make sure that you know him. And thank you for listening to Exploring the Word. We're going to be back next week with more of this program. And uh, all the programming here on AFR is so important, and we love to share with you. And be sure and share it with others. And as we usually sign out, here it is, tell someone about exploring the Word, but more importantly, tell them about Jesus. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.